You're listening to Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders. You know, a line of business analyst that, let's say, has very little statistical analytic skills to line of business analysts that are full-fledged data scientists. They, they, they are every bit as capable of, of applying algorithms and statistics to data and understanding that. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to one of the most popular podcasts in the data analytics world, The Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders. I'm your host, Wayne Eckerson, and today we're going to tackle the topic on every data analytics manager's mind. How do you deliver sustained business value with advanced analytics? In my opinion, that starts with picking the right people and projects and then spans a multiplicity of other topics, such as how to organize data scientists, how to motivate and incent them, and how to balance the interplay between man and machine. To help us dive into these issues, I'd like to welcome back to the show, Alan Jacobson, a 25-year veteran of Ford Motor Company who ran its data analytics unit for many years. Alan serves in much the same role in his new position at Alteryx, where he leads the company's data science, data management, and data governance programs. But he also spends a good portion of his time helping Alteryx customers accelerate their own data science initiatives so they can deliver true, lasting business value. Welcome back to the show, Alan. Thanks, Wayne. It's great to be back. So let me ask, uh, on the value of advanced analytics, many companies want to do advanced analytics or data science, but they really don't know where to start. What would you suggest? So I think there are some organizational constructs, some skill set sorts of things that companies need to consider. Um, Certainly, many companies don't have data scientists on on, on staff on the team, and, and, and certainly there's a value of having some people with those skills uh, on the team. Um, I've seen different organizational constructs in terms of centralized and decentralized, different models of, of how to structure. But at the end of the day, if you really want to go on that data science journey, there, there are some ingredients, some skills that you need to have within the team, and having a data scientist uh, or a team of data scientists, I think, is, is critically important. Right. But how do you actually define the project so it works? Uh, Assuming that you have a data scientist, and we'll get back to that, but how do you understand and identify the right projects to work on? Yeah, and I I think this is frequently one of the hardest pieces. Let's say you now have some data scientists. It becomes really imperative for those data scientists to know the business, to, to learn the business, to be with the line of business folks, seeing their pains, understanding kind of the money that's flowing through the pipe, where the waste is, and identify where there is data and analytic techniques that can actually help solve some of those problems. So I think it's this combination of knowing enough about the business to know where the gold is buried, and frequently the business people know lots of those things, and then crisscrossing that with where do you have data and methodology that can help solve those problems? So when you, you know, list out your top 10 business problems, half of those maybe you can't solve with data science. Either you don't have the data to solve the problem or it's a, it's a personnel issue. It's something that has nothing to do with data science. You're not going to solve the problem uh, with data science. And then you're going to be left with these other problems where you do have some data, you do have some capability to solve the problem, and we know the problem is a big problem. Um, those are areas where 
you then go and attack. And I, I think that's a hard process. Data scientists uh, frequently tend to be introverted and they don't necessarily know the line of business perfectly. Uh, the business folks know their business really well, but they don't necessarily always know the power of what data science can deliver for them. So figuring out how to, how to get that right elixir where you can combine these people together and, and get to that is where the magic really happens. Yeah, that that's really interesting because bringing the data scientists to the business and perhaps even embedding them, and we'll get to organizational models in a second, but I'm just wondering what skills does a data scientist need to interact optimally with the business person? And conversely, what skills does a, or knowledge does a business person need to have to interact optimally with a data scientist? Because they're from two different worlds, they think in two different ways, use different tools, but yet, if they work together, they can make some beautiful That's things. That's right. And I, so yeah, clearly, when you when you're hiring data scientists, finding people that have the communication uh, skills and and the desire to to learn about the business and and really understand the business is is incredibly important. Um, setting up conditions where the business is accepting of of having data scientists embedded with them and working with them. You know, th these are all part of the change management that's frequently one of the biggest elements of big data science efforts. Um, many companies talk about it in the terms digital transformation, and data science is one of the ingredients that they're leveraging for a digital transformation to happen. And you know, when you say digital transformation, half of that equation is digital. How do you get people uh, to have more numeracy skills and understand kind of what you can do with data? But I would actually argue the larger challenge for most organizations isn't the digital part of that phrase, it's the transformation part of that phrase. And so have you set up the right conditions where people are willing to go on that change journey? Or, or do they have permission to actually change a process? Uh, because typically when you wanna implement data science, the goal is not to be doing the same thing you were doing before, but you really are gonna have to transform some of your processes and the way, ways that you're doing business. And that's hard from simply a change management standpoint. So I think having people that have those skill sets, whether on the business side or in the data science team, and ideally some of those skills sit on both sides, is critically important. And it's frequently not talked about a lot. People like to talk about, we're gonna teach everybody how to do machine learning. That's really where we're gonna focus. And in some ways, I find the statistics and the math is the easy part of the equation. Right, I had one client who did something I thought was kind of interesting they would pair uh, an experienced business person, in other words, a business person who had worked with data scientists in the past, with a new data scientist on the team who didn't really know the business too well. And conversely, they would pair a experienced data scientist with a new business manager who had never worked with data scientists before. So it was kind of this mutual mentoring uh, environment that, that seemed to work pretty well. So lots to talk about here. You know, you mentioned change management. I think we could do a whole episode just on that because ultimately it's all about that. I had this person I mentioned in the last podcast, Ken Rood, and he, he changed the, the makeup of his analyst team from number crunchers, you know, with PhDs and degrees to people who 
were more business savvy. And a lot of, a lot of times they had statistics background, uh, but they were in marketing or they were a product manager. So they knew how to speak the language of business and they had just enough analytical skills that they could be trained into becoming a data scientist. And he found that those people were the best equipped to deliver value because they could combine the business knowledge with data and analytical literacy. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. I mean, my experience building teams that do this, and, and people have asked me, you know, who, who are you looking for? Are you going after econometricians? Are you going after the PhDs? Are you going after the MBAs? How about engineers that are data scientists or computer engineers that are data scientists? Like, who, what's your profile? What, what are you looking for? And in my experience, a healthy team has a blend of these different skills. And depending on the problem and the team that they're interacting with, it, it really is a diverse set of skills to go solve real world problems. It's not any one of these. So in general, I haven't built teams with any one of those, those things. They all, you know, each, each one of those backgrounds come with some unique and different skills. Um, I really think it's the blend of all of them that makes for the best teams. So that, that begs the question, uh, if they all bring unique skills to the table, it would make sense to keep them together so they could learn from each other, they could share, they can help each other, mentor each other, step in when needed and they, when they have the skills. But you also mentioned earlier that how important it is to essentially embed these data scientists into the business so they learn the business inside and out because when they have that domain knowledge, then they can be truly effective. So that kind of gives you, from an organizational perspective, reasons to centralize them and reasons to decentralize data scientists. So which yeah, do you I think, do? I, again, it's frequently debated. In the end, you, you need both of the, the benefits. You need the, the community and the mentorship that comes with a critical mass of, of these people being able to work together and support each other and teach each other, um, that's, that's the centralized piece. And you need these people to some percentage of the time live with the business, get out to the business and, and really understand the business. And so in, in most of my experience, you tend to want to centralize the team from a career management standpoint. Most of these data scientists, their next job isn't to go be an HR leader or to be the finance manager or to be the manufacturing floor supervisor. That's not normally their career path if they're in the data science kind of career path mindset background. And so in my mind, it makes more sense for them to be centrally mapped from a career standpoint and from a training plan and mentorship standpoint. But then I think it's very important that they don't live in an ivory tower with a bunch of the other data scientists that they co-locate, they sit by the business, they, whenever they're working on a project, they're going and seeing the problem with their own eyes versus, again, sitting as part of like a research organization and appendage to the side. So I think the key is to try to get the benefit of both. Um, again, I've tended to do that through centralization, but to be honest, I think you could do that in a decentralized model as long as you made sure that you were fulfilling these other pieces um, organizationally as, as you were doing it. Are you 
Are you providing career opportunities and training and mentorship in that decentralized model? Are you providing a community for these data scientists? If you don't, I think you'll find that you're going to have a very high attrition rate, and many organizations do. Now, I don't have enough data to know if the decentralized organizations have much higher attrition than the centralized ones, but I would bet there actually is a higher attrition rate because you don't necessarily have the same career path. I would agree. And in fact, I always recommend a federated model, mm -hmm. which is very similar to what you described, a central team where each scientist is aligned and co-located uh, half the time or so with the business they're supporting. Yep. And then they rotate every two years so they don't get bored. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, but they're centralized so they can mentor and get trained. But recently I've seen another federated model where you do have a central team um, that supports a whole bunch of embedded data scientists mm -hmm. who are permanently embedded. Uh, and that's kind of the model we use on the BI side. Mm -hmm. uh, you, have a, you have a core team or center of excellence at corporate of BI developers, data engineers, but their job is to support those folks in the business who are doing self-service and, you know, when necessary, building enterprise and complex apps that the business can't. So those are the two federated models I've seen um, that work. Well, I was going to say, I liked your, your comment about rotating, because one of the things I see, and this gets to that diversity of experience, is that many times great solutions that I've seen implemented in one area of the business, what they were really doing is taking something that another area of the business had been doing for years, and it's the same basic analytic method, the same construct, but they're applying it in a new domain. And frequently that's the innovation. So moving people, not only hopefully keeping many people engaged and interested because they like that diversity of experience, but I think it actually is very potent in getting great results. Yeah, and I think the, the thing that would cause attrition is just uh, <laughs> embedding a data scientist in the bowels of a department somewhere in the organization and if they never see the light of day, well, they're an easy target for recruiters. Right, and they have no necessary career path because all the rest of the people in that organization, all the other natural jobs they would rotate to are operational jobs, which really don't fit them. And frequently the rewards aren't necessarily the same for them because does that if you know if it's a manufacturing organization and they you know have one magic ticket to give to an employee that did a wonderful job are they more more prone to give it to the manufacturing engineer that came up with some great manufacturing technology or the data scientist who helped transform many different areas all around manufacturing but they're not really a manufacturing person in a sense even though they work for that org and so both of those frequently get in the way of of holding on and being able to retain great, great talent. Now, what do you say to the organization maybe that's getting started that can't afford a data scientist or don't know how to hire them? Uh, does an organization really need to have its own data scientist or can that be outsourced, offshored, or fulfilled through consultants? My sense is if you're going to outsource something, you need to at least have a person that understands it well enough to manage the people that you've outsourced it to. So, I mean, I think you do need some knowledge and skill internally. Many companies have people that, that really have the data science skills. 
and, and could do that, even some in some cases, people who weren't formally data scientists. I mean, for if you rewound 10 years ago, there there were almost nobody called a data scientist, but I would argue many people that effectively were data scientists. They just didn't carry the title. So many organizations have people that have the right skills, um, not necessarily called a data scientist within the organization. And then could they supplement or augment um, what they have internally with external resources? I think absolutely, yes, they can. But I do think, again, there needs to be some critical mass, some, some knowledge within the company to be able to do that effectively. So are you recommending that they hire a director of data science uh, who has the knowledge and skills of how to do data science projects, and then that person has a virtual team of contractors and consultants who do projects for the company? Well, I mean, again, it comes down to the scale and the size of what they're going to do and, and the size of the company. Obviously, if you're a 10-person company, you're not going to have a team of data scientists probably directly on your staff. There are only 10 of you. You're not going to have five data scientists on a 10-person team. Um, if you're a 10,000-person organization, they, you know my answer to that question might be very different in terms of how much should you have knowledge of data science within that 10,000-person organization versus how much should be outside of the organization. So I don't, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. I think it's going to be different for for every organization. Um, but it, it's hard for me to believe in in almost any size organization that you don't need some skill set on your team that understands what can be done with with data science and then if necessary augment that with outside resources now there's been a lot of talk about the so-called citizen data scientist and i know whenever i talk with a you know pure blood, bona fide data scientists, they kind of turn their nose up at the idea of someone who doesn't have all the statistical background and knowledge creating models that the business would actually use and run. Do you see a role for the citizen data scientists? And is it too risky in some cases and okay in others? Yeah, certainly I would never say too risky. So I, it's, the, the title... I mean, it's kind of funny if I go out and ask, you know, a room of a thousand people, is anybody in this room a citizen data scientist? I, I almost never have anybody raise their hand. Um, so almost nobody self-identifies as my my you know business card says I am a citizen data scientist. So it's an interesting term that um, I think Gartner coined uh, several years back that I think the sentiment of what they're, they're talking about is spot on, but I, I, I'd like to think of it more as a continuum. You have, you know, a line of business analyst that, let's say, has very little statistical analytic skills to line of business analysts that are full-fledged data scientists. They, they they are every bit as capable of of applying algorithms and statistics to data and understanding that. And there's a wide a wide chasm of people from those two endpoints. You know, data scientist at one end and you know, a really simple analyst at the other end who maybe just has some simple addition subtraction skills and then everything in between. And I think there'll always be that that spread of skills within every company. You'll have people everywhere in that continuum. I think the role of a data science organization is a fewfold. One, it's how do you lift the skills of all of those people? How do you make them all 
five points better um, and keep getting better over time. I think that's important. I think that is very powerful for a company in terms of the benefits to the company by doing that. I think the other role of the data scientist is when the gold is buried in the ground so deep that the analyst isn't able to get at it. They don't have the right tools. They don't have the right training to know how to mine that gold. Then you, you want a data scientist that's further on that continuum who's able to, to mine that gold. And then you want to partner up with that data scientist. And in the perfect world, what's happening is that the data science organization the data science folks are not only lifting the skills up of the line of business, they're educating them when to call. Hey, when you see gold, when you have a problem that now, now that you know enough about data science, you know that it could be solved with data science, but maybe you don't have the skills, you can give us a call. You can give the data science organization a call. And whether we can help you, we'll teach you how to do it, or whether we do it ourselves, um, that, that should be the mindset. So I don't think it should ever be like, you're not a data scientist, you're not allowed to play with numbers. I think that would be a, a horrible mistake for an organization. I think everyone is allowed to go look for gold and try to go get their hands on it. And the job of a data science organization is to provide more tools and techniques to the organization, whether it's through training or through doing it themselves uh, to get at that gold. So that kind of gets back to that federated organizational model where you do have a central team of data scientists who are there to support folks in the field if they need it. But let me ask this question. Do you, do you ever recommend creating certifications for, let's just say, data analysts as a whole? So they kind of know where they stand and, know, and the business knows or the admins know what they can give them access to and what problems maybe they're capable of solving and, and not solving? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. There's a benefit uh, to both the, the individual themselves to know, hey, what do I know and what do I not know? And, and what maybe should I go learn next? I, I think there's, there's an advantage to having assessment instruments and certification instruments so that it helps you go on that journey. I think equally, it helps somebody who's looking for somebody with the skills to be able to say, hey, I have some geospatial problems here. Who do we have that knows how to handle geospatial issues? At Alteryx, we, 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 do, we do that um, through our Alteryx uh, training academies, and we, and we provide certifications. And I think one of the concepts that's become very clear is that it's not a linear path. It's not you're a level one, a level two, a level three, a level four. It might be, I know geospatial time series and some other piece, but I don't know these five things. And it's not one is better or harder. There are just lots of things to know. And many of them are, in a sense, parallel things. Um, and it doesn't necessarily make you better or worse. It's, it's different subjects. I know French and German, but I don't know Spanish is probably more the paradigm of where I see certifications and assessments leading us. Huh, that's interesting. I, I've been, uh, truth be told, I've been recommending that companies do establish certification levels for their data analysts. And that's primarily to determine who should be given the self-service tool, you know, BI tool that everyone wants. And really, it's just to kind of 
force them to go through the training to say, hey, this is our data. These are our policies. This is how the tool works. This, these are the visualization standards. Um, now you know <laughs> what you need to know, uh, and you won't create one, runaway queries that kill us or reports that uh, don't sync up. I mean, certainly when you hand somebody a tool or you give them access to data, there, you know, there are safeguards that you need to either put around them or training that you need to provide to them uh, to, to make them more successful. At, at doing those things. I don't necessarily disagree with that. And then once they have the tools, over time, you, you would hope, they're going to become more and more proficient and capable at doing certain things. But again, I, I think some of this stuff, you know, would I, would I give Alteryx to an analyst and Alteryx has complete geospatial capabilities built into it? And I, would I give that to you and you don't maybe know how to do anything geospatially? Do I trust that you know that you don't know how to do it? And if you want to learn how to do it, you'll take the class. And once you know how to do it, you'll do it. And I would say in Excel, we trust you. Excel has, I don't know, a thousand functions on their function list or however many there are. You know, here's tangent and cosine and average and mean. Do you know what every one of those formulas are? No, of course not. Do I trust that if you don't know what it is, you're not going to just randomly apply it to some data and hope you get the right answer. Well, of course not. We, we trust that you're a professional and you know what you know and you know what you don't know. Um, and you're going to go learn it if you need to learn it. And I think it's important. It's, in, it's incumbent upon the organization to provide the right training and environment to help people continue to climb up that ladder so that they know more of the things that those tools do. So I'm not necessarily a proponent of, I'm not gonna hand you the tool unless you know everything that the, you know, the tool does and how to use it. I would agree with you that you do need to provide some safeguards that, hey, I just gave you access to a bunch of data and you need to know some rules of the road relative to that data that I just gave you, or here's where the navigational beacons are to help you find stuff. Th those are all enabling and good things, but, um, I think we, we need to trust people probably more than we sometimes give them credit for, uh, that they can self-assess what they know and what they don't know and, and go off and learn and fill the gaps. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point, uh, point well taken. I think maybe then if you have a test or maybe it's just training that you need to go through to get a tool and that training becomes a great excuse to inculcate all the policies and procedures and governance required to keep the company on track. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And again, I, I like to think of this all in the spirit of enablement, that good governance is good enablement of people. Like when I think of, of government, I don't think of good government is how many rules can they tell me I need to follow. I don't think of that as good government. I think of good government as they help me achieve my dreams. That's what good gover government or governance is about. And so when I think of, hey, when we hand you the tool, not we're going to force you to take this training. Hey, we have found that if you want to be successful with this tool, we're best enabling you by providing you with some information so that you can be successful. And so here's some information that's going to help you be successful. And we, we may have an assessment tool because we have found that if we can quickly assess where you are in this continuum and see where your gaps are, we can, again, help you by providing what your, your training course might want to look like to fill in the gaps of what maybe you don't know as much about. 
I think that's the spirit that I like to think of these things versus I see a lot of organizations very heavy on on governance being around a lot of rules and telling me what I can't do. And, you know, business people in the end, if you tell me I can't do it with this tool and my job is to get a certain outcome and you just you know, tied two hands behind my back, I'm going to still figure out a way to get the job done. I'm just not going to be enabled now by this tool. I'm going to go find some other way to do it. And you might actually find from a control standpoint, that's actually worse. They're now going to go off your reservation um, and you're going to lose complete control of, over, over the process from that standpoint. So I think if done, done in the spirit of the positive enablement, um, most organizations will see much better outcomes. I think you're right, and that's that's uh, words for the wise. I, I do think IT, which we work with a lot, you know, is is undergone its own spiritual transformation in the last number of years. And there's a mantra we always say: uh, facilitate, don't dictate. Um, you know, in the past, IT had to dictate, did dictate, but getting out of that mindset into a facilitation and empowerment is hard, even even for me. I was going to say, I do see more IT organizations. Um, looking at self-service, looking for technologies that allow allow self-service by the line of the line of business. It's one of the reasons I think Altrix has been so successful is IT organizations are really seeing the benefit of providing technologies that the line of business can use successfully, that they can run on their desktops um, and, and can really get answers quickly to line of business questions. And that's absolutely critical, not only to the success of the line of business, but it removes a bunch of the friction that was the friction with IT that, you know, every time I needed data, I would have to put in tickets and request it from IT. And IT just doesn't have the, the manpower and the bandwidth to support it all. So by providing self-service tools and enablement, um, it, it helps not only the line of business, it actually is helping IT. And I agree with you. I am seeing a transformation within IT organizations where that's becoming the mantra of many IT organizations. Well, let me finish with one question here, which, you know, we've talked about empowerment and enablement. I think this all leads to the holy grail of creating a culture of analytics and more specifically governed analytics. And I'm wondering if there's anything from your past experiences at Ford or other places um, where you've seen, you know, a, a great environment to create that culture, whether it's through education, training, uh, gamification, you know, titles of Zen master. I, I, I don't know. There's so many different ways to, you know, create this culture of analytics. Anything you can share would be helpful. Yeah. So I think there are three high level ingredients and then underneath each one of those three, many, many different things that you can do to become world-class at them. So one of the things I think is critically important is technology. If fundamentally you've provided your organization with, you know, here are your abacus, uh, use your abacus to do all of your, your data and analytics, um, you're going to find it's very difficult to have a culture of analytics. You know, that's, that's probably not going to get you there. So technology matters. Um, and it's not you need this one tool, Alteryx. It's There are many great tools out there, modern-day analytic tools. Um, Alteryx, I think, fits beautifully into how this works. And one of the reasons I think Alteryx plays well into this is it's a tool that is both code-free and code-friendly. It's a tool that the data scientists can use, and it's a tool that the, the line of business analyst can use. So it tends to be a place where they can come together and work together. But in the end, you're going to need, you're going to need technology. 
and many companies haven't put in modern day tools to do data science, to do analytics. So I think that's one category to build a culture of analytics. Every desktop needs to have modern day analytic tools access to them, uh, or it's gonna be hard to go on that journey. I think the second one um, is culture, the, the, the pure culture stuff. Do you, do you have hackathons? Do you uh, have a spirit where it's okay to fail, that you can try to change a process and if it doesn't work, it's okay, let's, let's try another, uh, another, uh, another area of the business. And so all of these things that are part of it, it there's tend to be the synonymous playbook to how do you build an innovative organization? It's the change management playbook. It's, it's all around that side. And, and you have to do typically many things to build that piece of the culture. And then the last one is y you have to have great problems to go work on. And so if the mission of the organization is I'm going to automate these three processes, eh, that's kind of ho-hum. If you really are going to transform your business, the ability to get kind of get the whole organization behind it, it is a little bit different. So do you have great problems? Have you laid out a mission of what you're trying to do that is going to bring everybody on that journey, that culture of analytics journey where they're really behind it. They can see how analytics are really going to make a difference in what they do as an organization. And I think those three things are, are, are key ingredients of winning, a, building a winning culture within an organization. Well, I think that's a perfect place to stop for the day. Alan, once again, thanks for your time and your insights. Hey, really appreciate it, Wayne. Always great to talk to you. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you want more content from business intelligence to data management to data science, browse to the Eckerson Group website at eckerson.com.